Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh everyone. So this week's episode is going to be about a very, very basic and common topic that it might seem on the surface. On the surface, it might seem like something that all of us Muslims talk about. And we all talk about, oh, detachment from the dunya, not chasing the dunya, whatever. And I feel like this is a topic that lots of people kind of have their own takes on and this is just kind of me sharing what i feel like helps me obviously there's islamic perspectives to it which i will try my best to you know talk about but this is more of me sharing how as an 18 year old you know living and doing everything that i do how i kind of ground myself and kind of bring myself back when i feel like i'm going too far into the dunya so this is more of like a personal take and i will i'm saying that right now obviously there's so much more knowledgeable people out there in the world that can tell you more than i can about this topic with better proof better ground better everything i'm not claiming that this is the best stuff in the world i always say that in the beginning of my episodes because i never want anyone to be like oh my god this random 18 year old thinks that she's all this in a bag of chips no <laughs> um so i'm just sharing what i think helps me and then if it helps you it helps you if it doesn't it doesn't so detachment from the dunya is like a topic that I feel like you learn about over and over and over again. And I think that your entire life is a life where you just learn about this over and over again. Through different trials, through different people, through different pains, through different blessings even sometimes. Like you just learn about it over and over again. And we learn how to detach ourselves from what might seem important in this dunya and understand that this dunya is nothing more than a stepping stone to where we're going to go. So what I'm going to tell you here is advice that makes sense to my head, okay? It helps me and in no particular order, this is just kind of what I think could help someone inshallah here. So I highly suggest you to write these down on your notepad or a piece of paper Every single one of these is going to have a deeper talk behind all of them. So I have no clue how long this episode is going to be. But inshallah here, I want to share five tips with you on how to have a healthy detachment from the dunya. Now, let's talk about that within itself. It is so important we talk about healthy detachments from the dunya. There's a very, very big spectrum when it comes to this discussion. On one side, we have people that are like... I'm consumed in the dunya. I see nothing else besides the dunya. I eat, sleep, breathe, die dunya. My purpose is dunya. It's not right. On the other hand, we have some people that are like, I'm so detached from the dunya, bro. Like, you know what? Matter of fact, cut off my O2 supply. Cut off my oxygen supply this instant. Cut off everything. Like, I just, I'm detached. I want nothing from this dunya, right? And so, like, we have both ends of the spectrum. And what I feel like is important is understanding, obviously, detachment from the dunya is great, but also understanding how to do it in a healthy way. What I've noticed in my journey as becoming a better Muslim, which is obviously an ongoing one for the rest of my life, inshallah, is when I detach from the dunya very quickly, too much, too fast, too soon, I found myself to feel very, very tight. I felt okay. Yes, I was happy with the religion. I was happy with everything. But I felt like I was going through an identity crisis because everything that I knew that I didn't know that I just felt every single thing was swapped out. And I was like, mm -mm, that doesn't matter anymore. Right. And so I've been there and I've seen that end and it has been hard. But I can promise you I'd much rather be on that end than be on the end of being like consumed in the dunya. However, being on that end took time for me to learn how to come to a healthy part in my life where I learned what to value and what to not value. And so creating a healthy detachment from the dunya is key because you understand that, look, I'm here for as long as Allah has willed. I'm not going to get so consumed in whatever there is out there, but I know that it's okay to have goals, it's okay to have dreams, and it's okay to have ambitions, and I'm going to chase those things, but I'm never going to chase them more than I chase the deen. I'm never going to prioritize those things over my deen. I'm never going to skip prayer over these things. You get what I'm saying? Like you learn that the deen is the first and foremost, most important thing in everything. So that aspect is something that it's also, it takes time for people to come to. The other thing is if you're someone who detaches from the dunya very, very quickly, you start to think, oh, nothing is fun. Nothing is fun. Allah said, everything's haram. Let me tell you. 
biggest misconception in the world people have this misconception that like oh islam is boring and you know everything's haram and i can't do anything more but like i promise you when you gain like that healthy balance you find amazing things to do find amazing people around you try to go out more try to do things that are halal that are good but i feel like it's really company that obviously makes it better and if you don't have company then obviously like you can join different even online places to make good friends you can join my discord shameless promo shameless promo let me put some shame on that promo but you can like there's there's everywhere it doesn't have to be mine there's everywhere there you can meet amazing people i had these two girls who i, I pro- they probably are listening they met each other through my discord i had no clue about this then they started like making like islamic work together and everything and then they were they just texted me and they're like bro like you are such a vital part of our friendship like you made us and i feel like now i finally found a friend that like i've been looking for for years and i was like this been happening behind my back i was so confused but like you meet amazing people and you can meet like-minded people wherever it is on the internet but it's just about finding the right group of people but even outside of that Learn to take yourself out. Learn to take yourself out and have fun. Learn to take yourself out and have something to do that you enjoy to do. Loneliness and solitude are very, very difficult. Because the grounds that we grow them on seem very, very familiar in our eyes as humans. The ground of loneliness and the ground of solitude looks very similar in our eyes at first go. Because we think, well... Someone might be independent, they might be content, they might be in solitude, they might be this, but they're they're lonely. And someone could be lonely and view it that way. What I think changes everything is your outlook, your perspective on it. Because society is going to tell you that the ground's the same. That, oh, if you are independent and strong and you are okay with being alone, it's because you're actually just comfy being alone it's not like a good thing and you shouldn't adapt that but i think it is a good thing i think that you should be okay with being alone i don't think that there's anything wrong with being alone and i think that if you are someone that struggles with being alone it takes time to get to a point where you are comfortable being alone so it's gonna be itchy and a little bit icky regardless it's gonna be a little tight and if you're someone who's constantly 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 around people when you sit down and you're just sitting there, it's like all those thoughts that you don't want to think about come to your head. And these are things that you've been running away from, and these are things that you should probably put your mind to. Okay, I just gave y'all like a spoiler of a bunch of the tips. Okay, mm, okay, let's let's get started, besties, because I just started going off on another side tangent, but I'm gonna pick up on this because all the tips kind of go hand in hand. Number one, understand what you are alive for, okay? Now, sounds basic, let's talk about it. What are you alive for? You're obviously going to say, I'm alive for Allah. I'm alive for Islam. I'm alive to worship. I'm alive to go to Jannah. Yeah? Okay. Now, what are you living for? There's a very big difference between alive and living. There's a very big difference between surviving and living. What are you alive for? You are alive, obviously. For the sake of Allah, for Islam, for deen. At the root purpose, cause, deepness of everything, you talk to any Muslim, they're most likely going to give you that answer. Now, what are you living for? You're living for the weekend. You're living for that degree. You're living for this. You're living for that. You're living to give up to your parents' expectations. You're living to get married. You're living to do this. You're living to do that. So what you're alive for and what you're living for, for a lot of Muslims, goes in two completely different directions. Because what a lot of Muslims think is, well, I'm alive for the sake of the deen. I'm here for that. That's my purpose. Great. Good. But I'm going to live in a completely different manner. That doesn't, it's not going to fit nice. Because what happens is when you say that your purpose of being alive is for the deen, but you do actions of everything except that, and you live for something else, you start to question your purpose of being alive. What a lot of teens do is they say that my purpose of being alive is for the deen and then they live their lives in a completely different way. Being alive and living are two different things. They're very, very different in the way that you execute them, right? Because you're alive for a certain reason. You're alive because you're here. You're alive because at the end of the day, you're here to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're living, you're actively living for something. 
What are you looking forward to? What is making you feel the happiest? What is making you feel sad? What is making you want to get up in the morning? What is making you want to go to bed at night? What is keeping you up at night? What are you living for? When we start to live for wrong things, and we say that we are alive for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but live in a way that's completely against it, we end up in this hole where we start to think, well, I'm alive for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The way that I'm living might not be accordance to it, but I'm still alive for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's my purpose. So this purpose isn't serving me anymore. Maybe I need to find a new one. That's not true. What your purpose is, is not just going to sit there in a box. You drive your purpose. You live your purpose. You focus on your purpose. You grow your purpose. You share your purpose. You develop a purpose. And if you are someone that says, well, I'm alive for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm alive to worship, you still have to find the deen. And you find that deen through living, through living your life, through living to understand Islamic knowledge, through living to understand what you're here for, why you're here for, and understanding Allah's attributes. You live to actually learn about your purpose. Because by tongue mean you can all say one thing, but living it is another. Now that's my first bullet under point one. My second bullet under point one is all about how our focus shifts. Our focus starts to shift vigorously in our life in a very subtle manner and we don't realize it. And I'm not saying that any of these things like I'm a master at. These are things that especially this past month or so like i've been having to relearn so many of these things and so that's kind of why i'm talking about all of this right but our focus shifts vigorously and like you'll be praying five times a day you could be reading quran you can be going to the masjid you can be doing everything but like you are alive and living at a completely different direction in your mind in your heart in your intention in your niyat everything and what happens is as we grow up our focus completely shifts it shifts on getting the best degree. It shifts on showing up every day. It sh shifts to getting married. It shifts to finding the right person. It shifts to getting a house. It shifts to finances. It just shifts. And it's like, in life, you're never going to not have this shifting focus. After you're married, you have a house. Okay, now you have kids. Now your focus shifts on the kids' education. What the kids are going to do. How are my kids going to act? What are my kids like? It shifts, it shifts. Then it shifts that, you know, we might face sickness. Your focus is forever shifting. So it's important that you drive yourself in a deeper manner and understand that you're alive and you're living have to align. And that helps a lot with your focus. I want to read you something from a Muslim woman's diary. Sometimes the heart feels like a heavy stone, but that's because you've drifted away from the main purpose of life. The weight of the worldly matters has piled up in your heart, and now it has become a clump, which has no value in the eyes of Allah. Replace worldly matters with that will benefit your ahra, and watch how soft and light your heart will become. I want to read you another thing which ties in with what I just said. It feels like as soon as we hit a certain age, our focus shifts to getting married. Rather, our focus should be on ourselves and our connection with our Creator. He has already written your name next to the one who is meant to be yours and only yours. So if your trust and focus is only on Allah and your future partner's trust and focus is on Allah too, then surely Allah will soon bring the two of you together. Now I read you two of these excerpts from the book because these are some of the most popular ones that everyone heads towards. At times in life, you are going to recognize detachment through pain. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks, my guy. Bruv, it sucks. Okay? It sucks. It's not fun. Nobody likes it. But if you want me to be honest with you, ain't nothing that you detach from the dunya like a heartbreak or some pain. Let me tell you, it's a, it's a classic. It's a, it's a classic. <laughs> I stuck for the law. It really does it though, because when you are so consumed in these things, and it's normal, right? I'm not saying that you're weird for it. We all do it. When you get so consumed in life and finding the right career path and in finding this and in finding that, it's like everything starts to jumble. And when everything starts to jumble, it starts to sit on your heart. It starts to weigh on your heart. It starts to get heavy on your heart. It starts to tank your heart. Then your heart starts to feel like it can't go on. 
now you feel confused you're like i'm alive for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but my heart is heavy where is this coming from but what you are living for is these things every day now nobody's saying that you shouldn't go and get a nice degree and get married and have kids and have a house and live beautifully and you know be comfortable be happy no one's saying you shouldn't do those things you should strive for those goals and you should strive for those ambitions but when you notice that something is starting to hurt your peace take a take a look at that when you notice something is starting to hurt your iman and your spiritual take a look at that nothing is worth the peace of your heart and if you're looking for a big enough reason to detach from the dunya i will give you one right now the fact that you're looking for one there you go within itself the fact that you're looking for one you know why because you don't look for excuses for something you love at the root of everything you know you're hurt and you know you've gotten hurt by the dunya so many times and i know that you know that we've all we've all been there and when you're someone who's so consumed in the dunya you look for excuses you look for the next thing that might push you towards allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you might look for this you might look for that but the fact that you are already so empty and there's this void inside of you that's searching in the dunya within it is telling you that you're looking in the wrong place you don't need a heartbreak or something painful to come to you to slap you across the face and push you away from the dunya you need to remember that at the end of the night whether this happens to you whether something blesses you some of your biggest blessings can be the biggest test for you and i know that getting hurt and getting your heart broken and going through those things and feeling sad losing a loved one losing a baby whatever really does detach you from the dunya in seconds because you start to hate everything around you because you are not with or who you love i know but that doesn't mean when things are going good you completely forget when your focus shifts on carrying these rocks these burdens on your heart when your focus shifts on moving mountains for people who wouldn't move rocks for you you start to carry so much on your heart that isn't for you to carry a lot of the affairs in life are going to sort through themselves you don't really got to do much about it There are so many things in my life that I just don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not certain if I want to end it. I'm not certain if I want to go through with it. I'm not certain if I want to compromise. I'm not certain if I don't want to compromise. I'm not certain on how I feel even after everything that I know. And quite frankly, I still don't. And I haven't made decisions on lots of things. But let me tell you something from the bottom part of my heart. There's never going to be a time when you say to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, I want guidance, please give me guidance, I need help, and he won't give you guidance. Never. If you sincerely turn your heart to Allah and you say, "Allah, I need help, I need guidance, help me, give me guidance." Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala always answers your du'as. If he inspired you to make the du'a, he's going to answer it. It might not be easy. You might have to wait. You might have to have some sabr. But if Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you in your heart, that this might be the thing for you if something inside of you regardless of everything and how it happened and how it went down is still telling you to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this thing wake up for tahajjud for it praise tahara for it start to get more religious for it i'm sorry but clock that in shaitan definitely would not be telling you to do all that <laughs> there's something going on and i think that You shouldn't sit there and be like, "Oh, am I delusional and feeling crazy about it?" No, I just don't let yourself become delusional about it. But if you feel like something inside of you is telling you that, "Don't give up just yet. I see some hope in this thing," then make dua about it. Wake up for the hajjat for it. Praise the hara for it. Try to become better on your spiritual path for the sake of you, for the sake of Allah, for the sake of whatever is best. And when you truly seek and want guidance, and you're stuck in a part of your life, you will find Allah there with you. Allah will guide you. He will take you to where you need to go. You might not know right now what you want to do. It's normal. There are some things that are so impending, like on me, on all my heart, that I'm like, what do I want to do? But I just don't know, and I can't get myself to know. I know the pros and cons of every side, but I just still can't make a decision. And I'm a very, very certain person. I hate uncertainty. I hate sitting in the gray area. I hate like maybes and what ifs and we'll see in like three months from now. We'll see in ten years. I just hate it because like I like to know what it is, how it is, and what is and what isn't. What what isn't and what's not. I'm very scared of getting attached because I feel like everything that you get attached to just leaves. I feel like 
it's common to like see someone enter your life and be like all right well they're gonna eventually go soon like it's just so normal now to lose people to lose things to lose everything and it's not like in a pessimistic way that i'm saying this i'm just generally saying that like at one point you become numb to it and it becomes a casual thing for you and when you go through these things it's very normal for you to just shut down in every way shape or form i read this quote and it's really really dark but I do, I do not really know whether I have survived. My inner self has shut itself up more and more. As though to protect itself, it has become inaccessible even to me. Okay. That heart, it, it just, mm, that makes me feel types of ways. Because to a degree, I think we've kind of felt this. I know I've been there. I know that I felt this. When I'm in lots of pain, sometimes I feel like I, I have... I feel this. I know just a while ago, I felt like I was even inaccessible to myself because I hated dealing with uncertainty that bad. And when you're uncertain, you usually hurt. And the only way in my eyes to stop hurt is to find a solution. And sometimes you're the only one that is looking for a solution. Sometimes you're the only one that might, that might feel like you're the only one that cares. You know, like you go through these things and it hurts and it's not easy, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide you to what's best. And so sometimes when you're fighting all these wars on your own of, oh, it's uncertain, it's this or that, sometimes you might not get what you want. But maybe the fact that you're sitting there fighting all on your own says a lot. Sometimes you'll get exactly what you want. Maybe because behind the scenes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows something about the scenario that you don't. You just don't. A lot of times in our life, we think that certain things are impossible and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can make them possible. A lot of times in our life, we're sitting in uncertainty thinking that there's no way that this can happen and it can happen. You just have to believe in it. So, and work for it, obviously. And so, when you are facing moments like these where you feel like you're becoming inaccessible, I've been there and I've lived lots of years of my life where I felt like I was not even accessible to myself. All I knew was like, oh, I'm depressed, I'm sad, my mind's shutting down, I'm shutting down. Alhamdulillah, I'm out of it now, right? But what I learned that took me out of that was loving God. And that sounds very cliche, but it's the reality. And there's nothing else that I can ever say to you about that. I've tried lots of ways in my life to love myself. I've tried lots of different things that people have said that worked for them. You know, you always hear like, oh, some deep journaling, some working out, early morning showers, reflect on your purpose and change your life. I've said some of those things. Yeah, they work. But it was like, you know, just something to get you through the morning, just something to get you through the night, just a comforting thought. But I feel like the one thing that truly taught me to love myself was loving God. Because when I started to love God, I started to learn to love everything that he has made me. And everything that he has done for me and everything is to come. Now that doesn't justify the fact that I'm not a, you know, a good human. Like, I'm not perfect. I mess up a lot. I'm not a good person. I'm, I won't ever not acknowledge that. I will never sit there and be like, yo, I did this, this, this. It is what it is. It's not like, it's not something to be proud of, you know? Whatever you go through in life or if you make bad decisions. Just generally for anybody. But I've learned to love that. No one can love me better than God can, not even myself. And when you learn that no one can love you better than God can, you truly start to let the parts of yourself that feel inaccessible to everybody, even yourself, heal and open up. And the insane thing is like when God loves you, it's subtle. And it's like those parts of you that you felt like could never open up that are inaccessible to even your own soul start to open up and they start to heal and the light starts to shine in and it's like one day you'll wake up and over time you'll just be like wow i'm better because what we do is a lot of times we think that love is just something that you have between people love is far more than that love is the little things and you can find love anywhere and love has several meanings Love is the way that you sit here and you get to breathe freely. You have a roof over your head. Love can be the fact that you feel content. Love can be the fact that you're at peace. Love can be the fact that you are surrounded with good relationships, of course. But the question is, do you have it in you to love and to be of a person of a loving nature? Think about that. That also starts with gratitude in some cases. It has several meanings, like I said. But loving God shows you that eventually the parts of you that 
feel the most dark can be shined with the brightest light. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is preparing you for something amazing. And these heartaches and these sadness and these things that you're going through might not feel great right now. The things that are the heaviest on your chest can be what is makes you light in the next life. We don't know. But in your journey, forgive and forget and learn to heal and move on. Now, no one's saying that you have to be a bozo and let someone in twice. But I posted this quote on my Instagram, which I really, really liked. And it's been on my mind. And I think that it's important, even if you're not in the circumstance, to understand the situation, right? Because sometimes I just be posting stuff and I don't even be going through it. I just like the quote. So um, this is dark, okay? But it should be thought about. I forgave you so that we don't meet in front of Allah. That was a quote. And I think it says a lot. Because when you get hurt a lot, you tend to think like, no, 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 I'm never going to forgive this person. I want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take your hisab in front of me. I want him to grant me my justice for what you've hurt me. But I feel like on that day, I wouldn't want to meet anybody. I don't want to meet you. I don't want, I don't want these affairs. I forgive. I don't care. Just leave me alone. <laughs> like, just forgive. And I feel like just the thought of it, like, you go through everything and then now it's like, it's better to deal with these affairs in the dunya than to take it in the next life. Here, like, we all have a heart and we can all learn to forgive. And the reason why some of us do is because we have such a heart. But why we can't is because our heart, our heart has grown very hard. That always gets my tongue trippy. <laughs> the reason why some of us can't is because our heart has grown very hard. And it's it happens. But don't let the hardship that was here to soften your heart, harden it. Because the affairs that are going to be dealt with in the next life are terrifying. And I don't wish that upon anybody. I don't. I would never. I can't even imagine. So even the people that have hurt you, that have broken your heart, that have judged you incorrectly without meeting you, that have probably taken pieces of you with them, that have told you about you. That's a big one. People that have told you about you. Forgive them. Forgive them, even if they don't want your forgiveness. You know why? Lots of people who hurt you, they don't even care if you're sorry. Like, they don't care that you forgive them. They don't care if you say it's okay or not. Lots of people who hurt you, they won't even care to say sorry. They won't even care about the fact that they hurt you. They don't even care if you're okay with the fact that you've forgiven them. They just don't care. Forgiving them is about setting yourself free, of course. But forgiving them is also setting them free on the day of judgment. To not hold these grudges. Now, of course, at the end of the night, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is still going to do what needs to be done. We don't know what's going to happen. But inshallah here, if you growing a bigger heart and forgiving someone can lighten your load even a little bit, it's worth it. So that's my two cents on that. That's very dark. It's very dark, right, guys? It's like late at night. This is what I do late at night. I sit and I talk to a mic. That's so weird. Guys, I feel like I'll never be able to explain this stuff. Like, someone's like, what's your hobby? Uh, you know, like at night, I'll pull out my phone and I, I take this mic and I connect it and I just sit there and I talk. Like, it's like a massive voice note. Or like, I can't imagine like one day, like, if I have kids and my kids are like, oh, mom, what did you do when you were a teen? Uh, sat in a closet and talked to a mic and posted it for people in the UK to listen to. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Oh my god. Who would have known that we would have been here? Isn't it weird? Like where life takes you? Like four years ago, I would... I'd be doing like the weirdest things. And now like I'm sitting here. Talking to Mike before bed. SubhanAllah. Uh, okay, number two. So this is a quote. And this is not the quote word by word. I read this quote a few years ago. One night when I was really, really sad. And this quote changed my life. I posted on my Instagram and now I can't find it because again, it was years and years ago. So this is not the exact quote, but I want something along the lines of this world and everything in it is not worth even an hour of sadness. So what about the sadness of a lifetime? Right? That was a quote. That is hit. So let's talk about that because that's my point too. Coming back with point one, like I said, a lot of these are connected. You're going to get hurt in lots of places in your life. And the attachment from the dunya 
hurt is one of the biggest ones that will detach you. And it can detach you to a point of falling into a depression. And that's where we talk about going on the opposite end, which is not good. So I have lots of episodes that talk about depression and like getting out of it. So if you feel like that's your focus, I'd highly encourage you to listen to those or even just from anyone. It doesn't have to be me. But detachment and getting hurt can leave you feeling very, very broken. But I want you to sit here and think about something. I'm not going to run a trope on you of what our parents used to say to us. But I feel like some of the things that I've learned and I think a lot about is like when I'm sad, I see nothing besides the fact that I'm sad. I'll wake up sad, sleep sad, feel that heavy feeling in my heart. But what I won't notice is the fact that I'm alive and that I've been going through my day. Have you ever noticed the fact that like you're like an actual human body that's living presently, actively through your day? A lot of times we don't. Because as much as you might feel like, oh yeah, I'm walking to class, I'm driving, I'm going home, but like, you're not living in anything. Because when you're sad or you're heartbroken, your heart is left somewhere else. You can catch flights, but you will leave your heart behind. You can go anywhere, but your heart will be where you leave it. So, you know, going to a bunch of stuff, doing a bunch of things, it's not always, you're not always living through them. And when you are feeling sad, one of the things that I like to think about is start to live more intentionally. I can't change what has happened, right? Allah can. Allah can change anything. Allah can make things better. And if you make dua for something, have certainty, Allah will answer it. Some of the duas that I got answered in my life that were very, very big or things that I very much cared for were things that I made dua for and I never doubted or worried. Like I was just kind of like, okay, I made dua. Cool. Went about my day. Let me tell you, those things came true. And I've noticed that when I when I sit down and I get so emotionally conflicted and, you know, in pain, I find it harder to keep the waqla in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which is an honest reality for all of us. And that's how it used to be for me. But now I've learned that these pains and these confusions and these conflictions are just a way of me and Allah meeting over and over and over again. Because even outside of this, I should be meeting Allah over and over again. But sometimes... Pain helps you reintroduce yourself to Allah in a new light. And sometimes pain helps you understand Allah in a new light. So it's necessary. You might think that, well, I have the best relationship with Allah. I'm praying, I'm fasting, seeking knowledge, I'm doing everything and beyond. But emotionally, to understand the way that God loves you and the way that you should love Him, sometimes pain will be in the factor. And you know what? Let me tell you something. No matter what pain you go through, what you lose, it might not be easy. But anything can come back. Anything can work. Anything can be possible. But you shouldn't sit here in the hopes of it. You should make dua to Allah. You should make dua that He'll guide you to what's best. Have to waqal that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you what's best. A lot of the duas that I make throughout my day, just quickly, were like, oh Allah, please help this work out. Works out. Because why? There's so much tawakkal there. There's so much certainty. Oh, I made dua. He's an an assist me. That mindset. That's the mindset you need. That's the mindset. Oh, I made dua. He's an assist me. There's no problem. There's no problem. It's going to happen. There's no issue. You become certain that who you're asking your needs and your wants and your healing from is a God that can provide regardless of what circumstances are in your life or what circumstances are around the world. Some people are very conditional. They will only be there for you. They can only help you. They will only, you know, just show up when it's on their schedule. And, you know, that's just how life is. We're all busy. We all have our own things. But you are talking to a God that is not conditional, that is not bound by these things. You ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something, he can make it happen. So, remember that. A lot of us get very, very sad and grow detachment, not just from the dunya, but from the deen. And you want to avoid that. Because what a lot of people do is when they detach from the dunya, they also detach from the deen. You don't want to do that. You want to remember that detaching from the dunya in a healthy manner means that understanding that I might feel sad. I might feel sad about the occasions that have occurred. But I know and I have enough tawakkal in my God that He can make anything possible for me. And I also know that the journey that I'm going to is a beautiful, beautiful journey. And the sadness and detachment and heartbreaks that I'm going through hurt. 
But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using these as a way of us to reintroduce, to meet again. So I can understand God more. And so I can end up in Jannah, inshallah. We all go through trials and tribulations and we all know that that is a sign that Allah loves us. And if you're really feeling that pressure, you're really going through it. I understand it's not easy, but take that as a sign of Allah's love. Allah does not lie. Allah does not make mistakes. Allah does not break promises. So when we're told that, you know, these tests that you go through is because Allah loves you, think about it. It's truly because he loves you. Us as human beings always see double meanings to everything. When someone says, I love you, we're like, oh, does this person really love me? Or do they love what they can, what they can get out of me? And do they really love me? Or do they just love me because I'm pretty? When they say, I love you, like, do they really see anything in me? What if they're genuinely, you know, like, we have, we have our own doubts. But the love that you have with Allah has no doubts. Because the love that you have with Allah is coming from a certain place. And it's coming from a place that's not conditional. It's not, you know, if you do this for me, I love you. If you agree to this, I love you. If you compromise, I love you. This is not about that. This is about you understanding that Allah is going to be there for you through thick and thin. And of course, yes, you have to try to change yourself and become a better Muslim. And walk on that path, truly understand and introduce yourself to Allah and grow on that journey to love Allah more than what you do right now. And no matter how much we love Allah, we will never be able to love Him enough. But it's also understanding that He's there for you no matter what. So that's that. I feel like I didn't actually give any tips on how to detach from the dunya. Did I? Or was I just sharing perspectives? Okay, okay, okay. I gotta save myself. Number three. <laughs> I gotta save myself. <laughs> okay. This one. Let this. I want you to just do this, okay? You're not gonna think too much about this. Okay? Pinky promise. I have my pinky up. Pinky promise? I believe in pinky promises. By the way. I'm kidding. <laughs> Those been broken a long time ago, but uh, <laughs> I want you to sit on your bed tonight. No phone, no nothing. I want you to sit up and I want you to ask yourself, what is the truth? What is the truth? Be so truthful to yourself. What's holding you? What's holding you down? And what is the truth? These two questions. What's the truth and what's holding you down? The truth is obviously the deen, Islam, the fact that you're Muslim, the fact that you're here to worship, the fact that this dunya got you scrambled up. What's holding you down? Okay, my degree, my education, you know, I want to get married, I'm worried, I'm this, okay. But now I want you to sit here and I want you to evaluate the truth and what's holding you down in your circumstances. Per circumstance. You're stressed about school? Why? Why are you stressed? What's the truth about the scenario? Or is it the fact that you are worried that you might not graduate on time? That you're not heading in your right direction? So what's holding you down? Is it this specific class? Is it this specific thing? Okay. What's the truth about this situation that broke your heart? Was it really the person? Or was it a circumstance that could have been changed? Do you want to change it? Do you have it in you to change it? Do you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can change it? What's holding you down? Now, you've sorted through your dunya affairs, right? Now I want you to take all those affairs and go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with them. You are aware of what you are capable of and what you aren't capable of and what's holding you down and what's not holding you down. Make sincere du'a for everything. Start to fall in love with the hajjah time. Start to try your best to make the hajjah a daily thing for you. Wake up and talk to Allah about your day. Wake up and talk to Allah about what you're struggling with. Letting go and understanding how to balance the stress of your dunya can help a lot with your detachment and just your general balance between deen and dunya, right? People always say balance deen and dunya, but I'm going to tell you one thing. Deen always got to be more. Just saying, deen's always got to be more. So yeah, you balance both. But remember that when times need, even generally, always have the deen up above more. And so when you're detaching from the world, you might have lots of questions on why am I so attached to it in the first place? Sometimes you're attached to it because you got hurt and now you want to show or feel different. You want to feel healed. You're not going to find that here. You're going to find that in Allah. Whatever circumstance it might be. You feeling stressed about school? You're not going to graduate on time? You're not going to find the solution here. You're going to find in Allah. You can study and work hard and do whatever as much as you want. And I, for one, will always tell you to work hard. You can't just sit there and do nothing and then say, mm. It's the Qadr of Allah. I heard a lecture today 
which was very powerful. And it was saying how people back in the day would call that an idiot. Someone who would sit there and not do anything. And just say, oh, it's just going to happen. Amazing, you have tawakkal. But tawakkal is like a mountain with a peak. And it was in a very beautiful lecture by Ali Hamouda. And he said, tawakkal is like a mountain. And you're at the peak. When you, when you like slope down on one end, and you just believe in the, oh, tawakkal, I don't got to do crap. I don't got to do my part. You fall. If you're on the other side where you're like, okay, I'm doing my part, I'm a hustle. But I don't really believe in this Allah, you fall. And both sides are wrong. Because when you sit there and you say, well, I keep tawakkal in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm not going to do my part. Or you did do your part, and you know that in reality you gave into haram, or something that wasn't right, or something that wasn't necessarily what Allah has willed, what is correct Islamically, think about it. You can't just give in to something haram or something that's not right and then say, well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has gathered this. This is decree. Allah willed this. That's like someone being in a haram relationship and then saying, hey, I want to I wanna get out of this haram relationship. And their partner's like, no, I don't want to break up. I'm happy. And then the person's like, well, you know, if you ask me, this is the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if he willed, like, he would have left me. No, you have free will. The same way when you give into something haram or something that's not right or something that's borderline haram, something that you're you're neglecting someone else's right, and then you sit there and you say, "Well, that's the qadr of Allah. Allah plans. Of course, He does. My guy, this not it's not right. It's not right. That's not how that works. Doing your part looks like something that you're gonna have to do more than once. Sometimes it looks like a constant effort. It looks like a battle. But you win the battles that you do for the sake of Allah." correctly okay now on the other end you're someone who's like i don't believe in this god stuff i'm just gonna do 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 what's gonna happen like when you die like is any of this even gonna benefit you what's the purpose behind your failures and your successes even when you are successful what is it for like that just that just takes us to a whole other discussion that comes back to what is your purpose and why are you alive but in theory everything rounds back to that area and it's just it doesn't necessarily mean it's easy like to sit there at night i remember lots of nights and when i sat down I'm like yo hera what's your problem and i'll just i wouldn't know what to say some days some days i'd cry some days i wouldn't some days i wouldn't know what to say some days i know exactly what to say but understanding both sides helps you create a healthy balance what's attaching you so much from the dunya a lot of times what a lot of people don't catch on is a lot of people are attached to the dunya because of stress they're not attached to the dunya because they love the luxuries of it. There's both sides, of course. There's a side that's attached to the dunya because they love the luxuries of it. They want to live in a big mansion and drive fancy cars and do this and do that and go partying every weekend. There's that side. There's another side of people that are attached to the dunya because they're that stressed about dunya affairs. Dunya this, dunya that, I'm going to fail this, I'm not going to get that, and this is not going to work, and this is going to work, and my parents are blowing up, and this is happening. You're attached to the stress. And when you take that stress that's heavy on your heart and you give it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is sufficient for me in every single affair, everything changes. The other very important thing to understand is to make sure that you're not misusing Islam. I had a conversation with someone today that mentioned this, and it very much has been on my mind. Where, in theory, basically, what, what the person said in the conversation was, it's very common, where like, people will misuse islam and throw like an islamic reason on something that actually doesn't have any backup or proof or anything like if you think that something might be guiding to a direction something might be a type of way something might be something like you need to have islamic grounds you can't just say just to say you know what i'm saying like kind of understand and make some reasoning like you can't do religious manipulation and that was something that really stood out to me and i just felt like that is it's careful ground. You have to be careful what you say because every circumstance and situation is different, right? But like religious manipulation. And I feel like that's very, very scary because a lot of us live in a reality of religious manipulation where we think that, well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants me to do this, do that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells me to treat this person like this, treat this person like that. So I have to do it no matter what, even if that means giving in to things that might not be right even if that means you know oppressing and hurting my own feelings some people think that well you know my parents have this right over me or my siblings have this right over me i have this right over myself 
And in order to fulfill their right, I have to live the rest of my life unhappy. In order to fulfill their right and to make them happy, that'll make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy. But if your family or even like your close friends, whoever, your spouse, like they're guiding you to something that's not right, then it seems like religious manipulation. Because it's kind of like when someone sits there and they say, well, my right is for you to do this. And they're telling you to do something haram and something that's double standardy, stub standardy, and not right. And you, out of the goodness of your soul, are like, okay, well, I'll just listen to what they say. This person has a right over me, or whatever, whatever, whatever. But Islamically, the circumstance would have been different. Like, I feel like that's why it's so important to, like, consult and talk to knowledgeable people about certain things certain signs, certain things that you go through, because I, I remember one time I was talking to somebody and they were like, this can literally be shaitan putting images and subconscious in your mind and you don't even know about some things. Like what sits on our subconscious really, really pours out in certain situations, the way that we view life. Like I've had multiple conversations with people about this stuff and I feel like it's so important. I remember one time when I talked to like an imam and <laughs> mom literally said to me <laughs> i don't even it's it's something else but basically like consulting an imam or talking to someone knowledgeable about your stuff and then having them give like an islamic perspective really opens up your eyes because a lot of the times you think that you're doing stuff islamically or for the sake of islam or you know to please allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then you realize that like hold on this is not even right this is not good. And, like, there's been times when, like, people will sit there and think that they're making, like, a big sacrifice. Trying to, you know, make someone else happy. But it's not right. It's so, it's very important. Basically, theory here is make sure you consult and talk to knowledgeable people often about it. Because I feel like there's no shame in talking to people about stuff like this. You have lots of big decisions in your life that you need to make. And whoever you feel like can benefit you, consult you, and help you, and you feel like you can trust them, you should talk to them. Listen, one thing about me, baby, I need I need letters of reference. I need works-sided pages. I need four to six pages MLA-sided with citation, with sources on, on references. Because, like, if I'm about to make a big decision in my life, listen, if I got to talk to somebody that I know knows you, I'm going to do it. Like, it is what it is. Because the thing is, I feel like, even generally about like careers like this doesn't have to be about one specific thing this is about life mate if i'm about to make a big decision in my life i'm about to bound myself to a career i need four to six pages mla work cited give me contacts number give me address location give me it all i need to know who you are and let me tell you something when you consult and you kind of like talk to people you find out so many interesting things about people so I'd recommend if you have people you can trust, talk to them. Talk to knowledgeable people. Talk to people that you know you can rely on. And be careful. You don't want to take something and say, this is Islamic when it's not. Because that's very dangerous. And it's very difficult to break out of that when you're committed to misunderstanding. A lot of people think that they're committed to understanding when they're committed to misunderstanding. The grounds that you're standing on are not necessarily supported by Islam. But you're committed to understanding that they are when they're not. So it's very dangerous and you need to be careful of that. And we've all been there. So it is what it is. Number four, I'm going to give a trigger warning before I talk about it. There is a story that I want to share with number four. And this is a story that has been on my mind and heart a lot. I can't get it out of my head. And so I was like, I'm going to talk about it on here. And I think number four says it right. Love what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves for you and it changes your perspective. So obviously within the words itself loving what allah loves for you changes your entire world it changes the way that you are as an individual the dunya loves one thing the dunya inspires and tells society that they should be one type of way but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows likewise right you have things you like god knows that you like some things there are some things that are that you know the dunya finds very feasible and nice like everyone every place everything has their own likes dislikes every society everything is this is good this is bad this is good this is bad you know in the midst of all this what does allah love to allah we will return we belong to allah we were from allah we're gonna return to allah so what does allah like because okay 
they like this, this person likes that, he likes this, she likes that, my family likes this, my culture likes this, but what does Allah like? What does Allah love? This also comes in commandments. When Allah has told you to do something, you get yourself to a point of where you try your best to do it. You love what you do, not because it's always 100% easy, but because you love God. And I want to share something in here that I heard one day. And this is not the trigger warning story, but it really, really stuck in my heart. Loving what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves for you is a concept that isn't easy to take. But one day, I was sitting in my school's prayer room and I was reading Quran, right? And there was a, in like in the men's section, like there was a divider and then there's like a men's section. In the men's section, there were these guys and they're, they're having a conversation. And one of them was Muslim and one of them was not. And like they were having a conversation and it was like, you know, he was giving him da'wah and whatever. And the guy that was non-Muslim said something very, very interesting about religion. He said, when you're in love with someone or like, you know, your wife, your girl, whatever, you bring her flowers. Not because it does anything for you, but because you know it makes her happy. And I feel like my relationship with God has been kind of like that. Like, I'm just, you know, I, I, he, I, I'd like to believe he was, he believed in Judaism from what I heard. But he said that his relationship with God is like that. That bringing your girl flowers doesn't do anything for you, but it makes her happy. So in return, you feel happy. And the Muslim guy, I don't even know him, <laughs> the Muslim guy, I don't know, but he goes, you know, your relationship with Allah and Islam, it's not like that because Allah doesn't need these things from us. We need them. So it's like, you're the person that needs that. And then like, I stopped reading Quran. I was like, look, man, make, this is heavy on my heart. I gotta, I gotta go. So I went out, but I, I just, I, I've thought about that a lot because it's like here, it's like Allah gives you. Allah gives you the love. He gives you everything. He always rescues you and saves you. Alhamdulillah for all the plans that you made that you thought got destroyed, quote, quote, by Allah, when in return you actually got protected. And it's like so beautiful to me how so many times in our life, our plans and the things that we die and crave for get destroyed so quickly and so painfully right and it, it hurts and then like you look back at it and you're like oh my god shukr alhamdulillah like shukr alhamdulillah i was not in my senses someone slapped me across my face eight times i was not in my senses and then you're like allah definitely knew what he was doing and what is so sad is that the next time on a hardship we still question will answer will allah answer me should, i don't i don't know should i wake up for the hajjad will it even do something allah saves us every single day every single time every single second how do we still doubt him when it comes in time for us to be saved again. It sits on my mind a lot. And I feel like that was an analogy that I'll never forget. Because it was just, it was not, it was a, not a hot day for me. And then I was sitting there reading Quran. And like I opened up the Quran and I randomly opened up the Surah Duha. And I was like, yeah, Allah, not right now. I'm going to cry. And I was about to cry and I was. And I hear their conversation ahead. And I just paused and I was like, what's going on? And it was... It really made me think about life. Ah, uh, what if the times come to? Loving what Allah loves for you isn't easy, right? But there is a story that kind of sits on my mind. Trigger warning, telling you right now. So, there's this person. I don't know them personally, but the story always stands out to me. And it's not a story; so real life events are going through it. But it always sticks out to me because I feel like it's something that I I just feel like I can't imagine and I pray that we never even have to imagine or go through this I mean but there was this woman and she was very young like she's I think getting her masters or whatever um she was married happily married hopefully inshallah I don't know um and she's gonna have a kid and she's very very happy like, she shared her entire pregnancy online, everything, nine yards, you know, little things that 
all women do like buy clothes set up nurseries you know probably whatever like whatnot all those nine yards right and her entire pregnancy everyone was like healthy good baby healthy mother healthy her healthy everything like she was thriving she was so happy she was like at her fullest and her baby was great like great everything smooth perfect good right and she goes into having her baby and the baby comes out she grabs it she holds it she feels it and within two minutes it dies and the nurses like grabbed it and they took it like to the side of the room and they didn't like you know really show anything on their face but they grabbed it and eventually yeah the baby died and i see this woman and she's so incredibly casual about it like she's not like hysterical or crying or like oh my god like i can't go on she's she's none of those things and i remember like when you know i saw like her pregnancy like on social media and stuff and like she and i'm like i was like wait didn't she say like she had a kid like she never met once mentioned it and then it was like found out that like her kid died and then like she just openly was like yeah my kid died here's what happened etc and like i look at her and obviously like any human being like you would mourn you'd cry you would be sad and I, I bet she was obviously right that's human emotion but like i look at her and i think to myself like how much tawakkal does she have in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that she's that okay because the strength that she carries like it's just beautiful mashallah and obviously like everyone at the end of the night is different like we don't know how anyone is someone could be going to bed crying and looking fine during the day you know like there's no judgment on anyone at the end of the night we don't know what anyone does behind closed doors and whatever and whatnot but like it's not just that there's multiple women around the world thousands that have been through things like this and they'll mourn obviously they'll be sad but it's like they'll learn to get up and be like okay well alhamdulillah this is what allah had willed that this would have left me this soon and that it would have been gone and you know it had its time span and like i think about that so much may allah protect us and never even have to like imagine that i mean but it makes me realize that like some situations in life might make you grow so bitter to the dunya but give you so much tawakkul in allah that he's guiding you in the right place and this is one of those things that just makes me think about it because even if you don't even if you do cry, even if you are hysterical, even if you are weak, that doesn't mean you don't have to wakil in Allah. Obviously, you still do. You know? Sabr. You just, you go through it. That I'm not saying that women who cry and like, who went through the nine yards don't have any sabr. What? Like, what even? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows your pain. Who? What? I'm not saying that because I know someone's going to say that. I'm not saying that. But it's like just to overcome some things like that in life and even other things in life. Like going through you know very traumatic events and you wake up the next day and you're like look the sun is still out it might feel dark in my life but the sun's still out and i'm gonna try again and i'm gonna love that allah has picked this for me so i'm gonna love god and i'm gonna love what he's picked for me right it's not easy it's not easy but it's it is what it is right and i feel like over time when you go through lots of pain and like the attachment from the dunya you aren't strong it's not you that necessarily makes yourself strong i feel like it's allah that makes you strong i've had lots of people in my life tell me that i'm strong and i'm like huh <laughs> i don't know i feel like if there's any reason that like i'm even here today it's because of allah not because of me right allah is the best at what he does five your mind your heart your thoughts that is number five i'm explain that one i want you to start focusing on on your mind i want you to start focusing on your heart i want you to start focusing on your thoughts you know why because sometimes we have a schedule 
that is very Islam bound, but our mind, our heart, and our thoughts are somewhere else. You can have this beautiful schedule where you're doing hifs, tafsir, you know, learning Arabic, doing this, doing that, but your mind and heart and thoughts are somewhere else. And I'm telling you, this is very, very difficult, especially when you are a student of knowledge or you're trying to become one, right? And that title within itself is like such a honorable title. I don't, I don't, I don't think I deserve that. <laughs> Inshallah, one day, hopefully. But like, that's a beautiful title. I feel like it's just, yeah, it's you know. When you're just someone who's trying your your best, you know, your mind, your heart, your thoughts, whatever you're studying, whatever you're reading, whatever Islamic books you're doing, you know, going to universities, trying to gain ijazat, whatever. Like, make sure your mind, your heart, and your thoughts are kind of there. I know that it's very common to sometimes do these things and think, okay, look at how Islam bound my schedule is. I'm doing this in the morning, doing dhikr, doing hifs, doing this, doing that, praying fajr, I'm doing great, you know. But like your heart, your mind, your thoughts are somewhere else. And sometimes the biggest difference that you'll see in your life is just putting your... Why are there dogs outside fighting? And I'm scared inside. They're outside. Why am I scared? Okay. <laughs> They're screaming. I'm, I'm, I'm a no dog girl. I'm sorry. Mate, it's not happening today. It's not happening. Guys, I've recorded way too long in this segment to edit this out. It's not going to happen. Oh my god, I'm, guys, this looks like a meme. I'm sitting in my closet wearing fuzzy socks, a big sweater, and I'm staring outside of my closet door at the window because I'm that scared. Why am I scared? I'm literally inside. Okay, I need to get it together. Get it together. Okay, I just feel like if someone was to walk in on me right now, I wouldn't be able to explain this. It is what it is. But you can have a schedule that's very, like, Islam-bound, has lots of, like, you know, Islamic activities in it, but you want to make sure you're there. You're participating in different clubs, organizations. Make sure you're actually kind of there, you know? It's very important. And if you're someone who doesn't have a schedule where, like, you have, you know, some factor of Islam in your day, besides praying five times a day, and if you don't have praying five times a day, try your best to get that in, okay? Try your best to get praying five times a day. Try your best to start making dua. Try your best to do dhikr. Try your best to read Quran. Like, get those things in your day. That's going to help you a lot from detaching from the dunya. If you're constantly consuming the dunya, 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 you're completely gone from Islam. You're not going to stay in touch. Staying in touch with Islam is remembering that you constantly have to seek knowledge. You're going to have to learn more. You're going to have to be consistent. You're going to have to be consistent in your prayer. You have to be consistent in what you do. And that's going to help you. I read this excerpt in the beginning of one of my classes. And it has scared the living crap out of me. May Allah protect, it, protect um, all of us from this. I mean, and may Allah never, rem like, never let us get comfortable even with this idea. I mean, because this is terrifying and I pray that everything that I say and just everything in general, like, testifies goodness for me. But I read this thing and I posted on the gram. If you follow me on the Grammy, you would have saw it. Shameless promo once again. Ah, two shameless promos in one episode. I'm on rocket today. Okay, but here's what it says. This is, I literally had to do a retake because I can't do this. We need to remember that seeking knowledge is not just for the sake of it. And there's no benefit in having knowledge of the rulings of Allah's deen just by itself. And this can be obtained by the believer and the kafir, by the pious and the wicked. This is why you see kuffar studying Allah's deen and very often they know more about Allah's deen than many Muslims. But they do not benefit from it at all in the Ahirah. The objective of seeking Islamic knowledge is implementation, and any Islamic knowledge that is not acted upon is actually a burden for the one who has this knowledge. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, The Quran is an evidence for you or against you. If you act by it, it is an evidence for you. And if you do not act by it, then it is an evidence against you. Okay. My heart's tanking. It's so scary. And it's like something that really sits. And I, I think that it, it's scary, but it needs to be said. Put this in your mind, your heart, and your thoughts. Male or protect us from hypocrisy. I mean, because like, I'm not, I'm nothing of the sort. I'm nothing perfect at all. Like, I'm nothing of the sort. And like, this is so scary. Because it's like, you can be doing all of this and studying for years. And, wow. Hmm. Okay. Why are the dogs stop barking? I need them to lighten up my mood because I'm terrified. Oh, my heart's tanking. Okay.
it happens, right? And so try your best to put your mind, your heart, and your thoughts in the right place. And this will help you detach from the dunya as well. Because when your mind, your heart, and your thoughts are in the right place, you're thinking, oh, I can't wait to pray my next prayer. With hushu, I can't wait to read Quran and memorize this surah. You're thinking, what are the new ways I can memorize? What is the new way that I can understand this? What is the new way that I can do this? I recently started um, teaching like one of my close friends, like the Arabic letters, the Qaeda. And I, it, she's very adorable and she picked up very quickly. But she was like, oh, I was at work. And I was like thinking of the letters in my head and like visualizing and saying them out. And I was like, you see, like, look at where her mind is. Your mind, your heart, your thoughts. Remember that. This was a long EP. If any of y'all come in my DMs and you say, Hera, you don't upload long EPs. I'm just going to give you this. I'm just going to send you this link. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to send you this link. But anyway, just kidding. I hope you guys liked this episode. I hope that these tips were actually useful and they weren't just me blabbering. Although I do think that I was blabbering. But I hope that like there are at least perspectives that could have helped, right? So inshallah, if this episode helped you, take care of yourself. Much love. Assalamu alaikum.